0: Oh, boy.
1: Oh, look, I don't want to overpromise anything, but if you like comics, and if you like maths, and if you like history, and if you like swimming, well, have I got a podcast for you, my friends. Sammy J here with The Snack Pack, and coming up, we have got Superman. Uh, okay, we've got the son of Superman. Okay, we've got the guy who writes the comics about the son of Superman, but he does a damn good job of it, and there's been a very surprising twist in the latest episode, so author Tom Taylor will be bursting out of the snack pack dressed in a big blue suit to tell us a tale. Plus, how much do you know about October? Like the month? I mean, to start with, doesn't October mean eight eight oct octopus but it's the 10th month right look i'm confused i need answers so i'll be joined by maths nerd and science guru adam spencer to tell us more than we ever knew about october and also the entire history of the roman calendar but first i hope you've got your bathers on my friends because we are jumping headfirst into the icy water of the english channel actually no wait don't do that we don't need to because someone else has done it for us not just once but 44 times it's a new world record and she's just achieved it coming to us post swim. It's our very own channel crossing record busting Chloe McCardle. Hi Chloe. And huge congratulations from me and all the snack pack listeners.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on.
1: Where are you right now in the world?
2: I'm on the side of a highway. Glamorous. <laughs> I'm on the way to studios in London, live interviews and, um, my team said, oh, he might not have time to do um, ABC. And I'm like, oh, my God, I need to do them. They're awesome.
1: <laughs> well, thank you very much for pulling over on the side of a highway. You are also pretty awesome, I've got to say. Most of us are locked down. You know, we can't even travel outside our country right now. And you are casually swimming between countries. I mean, it's a pretty big flex.
2: Mm. It is. Um, look, I'm really privileged to have got an exemption to leave the country. And I know most of Australia haven't been able to do that for 18 months. So I just I am aware that I am very lucky. And um, I've tried to make the most of my time over here.
1: Well, you're bringing us joy in doing it. So we support you uh, hugely in that. Chloe, 44 times crossing the English Channel using your own body. Surely you're now going for 50.
2: (laughs) It's funny you say that. I get comments like, oh, we're rounded to 45. Why don't you round it to 50? And I'm like... (laughs) No, no, no. I just wanted to be queen of the channel and 44 does it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I do not want to keep worrying myself with the channel. Come no, but you
1: do because you need six more, otherwise someone will get to 45 sooner.
2: Yeah, I don't think so. The, the lady behind me now, is retired by over a decade. And <laughs> the other two people behind her in their late 70s, they don't even swim anymore. So I think I'm pretty safe for at least a decade.
1: Okay, well, I'll, we'll give you a break until then. Like, 44 times, do you remember bits of the swim, like the bits of the ocean. If you did a bushwalk, I'd remember certain trees and things. Are there bits of water that are now familiar to you or is it all a big watery mess?
2: Well, it's a really fascinating patch of water. It has two huge shipping lanes running in different directions straight through the middle of it. So that's a really good like <laughs> sight for me to know where I am positioned in the channel. It's not like a big blue mass. Mm-hmm. It's only, and I say only, 34 kilometres in width. So you can often see land on either side um, at at any point in time. So you're never really that far from land. And then you've got the ships in the middle and then you've got the ferries crossing over on another angle, which is so fascinating because they're doing the Dover Calais route. And so in that way, you can kind of triangulate where you are at all times. And it's also good because it gives you something visually to watch. And I really love seeing the cargo ships and the tankers cruise through. like They're so colourful and they're huge and they're (laughs) awe-inspiring. So, that helps me position myself and it gives me some entertainment along the way because I've got lots of hours to kill. Chloe, you're,
1: you're you're watching boats as you break world records. You're sounding incredibly eloquent having just done this. I'm starting to doubt whether you even actually swam the English Channel or whether this is all a big lie and you know we can't prove it.
2: And I'm also driving myself to London <laughs> right now. So, <laughs> and I had two and a half hours sleep last night and I have a chest infection. I don't usually sound like this when I talk. Oh, man. I, I, I'm i cleared to swim it's amazing what having a, a passion and a purpose and and aligning all that together with the right support and, and the belief in yourself and, and others believing in you, you can, just, you can work miracles I really shouldn't be able to function right now, but I am and, you know, I don't want to miss the opportunity to chat, chat to you, so I'm just I'm making it happen. Well,
1: we are so grateful for your time, Chloe. Hey, have you been able to celebrate, or is it just all media and frenzies right now? What's the plan? When are you coming back to us?
2: <laughs> uh, it's all media and frenzies. It's really hard to get a flight back to Australia, mm-hmm. but I'm now secured on the 18th of November, so I'm really excited to come home and, and share more with all the supporters and friends and family back home. It's been so great over a decade.
1: And if the flight falls through, you can always swim. <laughs>
3: This is the Sammy J Snack Pack Please
0: enjoy in moderation I started doing uh, Choir or choral singing in my late 30s uh, With my wife Who's a music teacher uh, Because I'm a tenor And can all can sing uh, tenor one or tenor two So it's quite high uh, In 2017 I was approached by The Heidelberg Choral Society To uh, join them in a tour of China Which included four cities So I've sung uh, at the Beijing Concert Hall
1: <laughs> Simon, and could you, before you started doing this Were you known as a singer? Or do, could you sing? Did you enjoy doing that? Or was it something you really hadn't spent much time doing?
0: No, look, I probably have I uh, did a bit of musical theatre at uh, uh, school and high school But uh, the best wasn't, that good at, wasn't that good at sight singing or sight reading But it's got better with time so, uh, How good yeah. are
1: you at singing on radio for 10 seconds if I asked you to? <laughs> I could Come on, Simon, give us a little tune uh, uh, do you hear the people sing, singing of songs and angry men, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Now, of course, when it comes to comics, I'm a phantom man myself. Purple Guy, lives in the jungle, invented in 1936, you know the deal. But three years later, in 1939, another masked superhero arrived by the name of Superman, who went on to become far more successful, not just in his respective fictional world, but also in the commercial and movie world. And I'm not saying there was plagiarism involved. I'm I'm not saying I'm angry, even. I'm not saying I'm disappointed. I'm just thrilled, in fact. I'm thrilled because we now have an Aussie writing the official DC Superman comics and the latest story features Superman himself kissing another man. The author is Tom Taylor. And Tom, I'm sort of torn right now between holding this up as a really big moment in the history of the comic and also going, okay, guy kisses guy, no big deal, right?
3: No, absolutely not. I mean, this should be, we hope we are working towards the point where this isn't an international headline, where I'm not, you know, going jumping all over the place and doing all these interviews and it's just something that plays out in a comic. But as it stands today, you know, this is Superman. This is the biggest, most powerful superhero in comics in the world and it's a big moment.
1: For clarity, of course, this is not Superman as people know him. This is, in fact, Superman's son, isn't it, John?
3: That's right, yeah. This is uh, Superman and Lois Lane's son, John Kent, Uh, very newly crowned Superman as Clark Kent goes off to fight a a war far away from our planet.
1: And what led you as the author to this particular instance in the comic? Was it just part of an existing storyline narrative where it worked well for your narrative arc, or was it something you actually did think about for some time and and you know what it might mean for certain readers?
3: No, I certainly thought about it. Um, it was it was one of those things that you know DC Comics comes to you and says, "Tom, we want you to write." a new Superman and a, a Superman number one for DC Comics. And there's a fair weight behind that, of course, and a, and you feel a, a great responsibility. But it meant I had to think about what a new Superman should be, mm-hmm. who he should be, who he should represent, what his battle should be. And it's all the questions that he's asking himself uh, as a 17-year-old who's taking on this mantle. And so, yes, I I had that thought. And the first thing I thought was, you know, this should, shouldn't should just be another straight white saviour to replace Clark Kent. We have a real opportunity here that we shouldn't miss. And before I could even pitch it, uh, Jamie Rich, who was the editor at the time at DC Comics, said, Tom, there's been an idea floating around DC Comics. What do you think of this? And I'm like, well, I was going to pitch a queer Superman anyway, so we're <laughs> on the same page before I've even written a page. It worked out great. Of course, Tom, it takes two to tango. Who's he kissing? Uh, he is kissing a guy called Jay Nakamura, who is a journalist, underground journalist, fighting for the truth and a refugee uh, from the island nation of Gomorrah, which is run by a dictatorship at the moment. Of course, that yet yeah, that dictator claims that it's a wonderful place.
1: <laughs> Don't they all? Uh, is this something that is going to continue into a relationship or is that would that be a spoiler?
3: Oh, look, that's a bit of a spoiler, yeah, okay. but... It, they certainly like each other. I'll say that. Um, they're really supportive of one another. We're actually, we've said it elsewhere, so I may as well spoil it today as well, that Jay, we we discover Jay Nakamura actually has powers and he can't be harmed, which means he is the one person on the planet that Superman, Jim, John Kent, doesn't feel he has to protect. So they instantly put in and have a really different dynamic. <laughs> hey, Tom, <laughs> what's been the reaction? Look, the reaction has been, I mean, obviously some of the negative you'd expect, but just overwhelmingly positive. I couldn't be happier with what I've seen. I mean, we've had people from just all over the world, every language, uh, Facebook posts, tweets, people private messages, people contacting me from everywhere just saying that, you know, they saw the headline and they burst into tears. They never imagined that Superman could represent them. Uh, and I think it's just a big moment. It was also National Coming Out Day in America when it was announced. So, for a lot of people looking at their identity and suddenly seeing this, and with, I also had messages from sort of older queer people who said how much they wish they had this at, when they were younger and how grateful they are that this generation has this sort of representation now. You're listening to the Sammy J Snack Pack. Mmm, yummy, yummy in my ear, Tommy. Hey, Kath,
1: so your mum really hated swearing, did she? Oh,
2: yes, well, she'd often tell us, oh, that sounds like a lot of bull twaddle to me.
1: <laughs> Here to celebrate this slam dunk is the CEO of Basketball Victoria, Nick Honey. Good morning, Nick.
0: Good morning, Tammy. Yeah, very happy. If You had told me uh, three or four years ago that it was going to become um, six courts into 18. I would
1: have suggested that maybe bull twaddle, but this <laughs> one certainly is not. Uh, Question, has anyone got the time? In fact, has anyone got the day? Or the month? Or like the year? Seriously, I've got no idea. There's still a pandemic happening. Time has lost all meaning. But did it ever have meaning in the first place? My little snack pack listening chums. Not if you ask October. October. A month that is suffering a major identity crisis for all sorts of reasons, according to legendary broadcaster and maths guru at the University of Sydney, Adam Spencer. Adam, look, I just spoke with Chloe McCardle. Just want to know, how many times have you swum the English Channel?
0: Uh, not quite. It's hard to hey. put a number on well, it. Well, yeah, you okay. can, though. You're a
1: mathematician. Come on, okay. say it.
0: Yeah. Okay, zero.
1: Yeah, zero. But that's not what we're doing today, is it? That's not the number we're celebrating.
0: We are not. What we're talking about today is the date. Today is October the fourteenth, and it always occurs to you now and then. Well, hopefully it does. You can occasionally think oct, 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 octopus, uh, octagon, octahedron. Oct normally means eight. Yeah. Why is October the tenth month? Why would you Why would you call the tenth month after the number eight? That doesn't make much sense. If you know a little bit about mathematics, you'd know that sept, s e p t, like a septagon. We don't talk about a mini but sept is the prefix for seven yeah well, so there seems to be this pattern seven and eight but it's the ninth and tenth month what's going on adam I are, looked,
1: are you I about to looked. drag us down
0: an accidental roman history lesson here we go my friend the initial roman calendar established by good old romulus of romulus and remus fame had 10 months and only ran about 300 days now, they knew the year was longer than that, but after the 300 days of the formal month, they just hit what is called winter. Now, I, know, I, I know a lot of people don't like winter. These guys didn't like winter so much. They just didn't even give it a name that just said it's winter. It ran for an indeterminate length of time until they then declared the new year starting. But because they liked full moons and things like that, the new year started sort of at the next full moon. Into So winter was this indeterminate length. That is there's crazy. E- yeah, yeah. There's even rumors that old um um popes and things like the you know, rulers used to determine how long winter would be by whether they liked the people in government or not. So you'd trim a few days off, or if you're real buddies with the government of the day, you'd let winter run a little bit longer. So it was quite a, a chaotic system, and things were often out of whack. And often it was the farmers who realised this sort of stuff, going, "Dude, it's just—it's clearly getting colder." <laughs> no, you know? no, no, it's still winter. Whoa. Now, on that old ten-month calendar, October was the eighth month. It followed on from September, which was the seventh month. The fifth month was called quintilis, as in quin, quintuplets. Mm -hmm. That all made sense. The sixth month, the two different words you can use for six are hex, as in hexagon, or sex. And the sixth month was called sextilis. So as a little side note, how cool would it be if we still had a month called sextember? But anyway, so that all made...
1: We can start that campaign after the show, don't
0: worry. There you go. 5th, 6th, 7th and 8th all lined up that way. Eventually they decided, look, we should give winter a name. So they called winter January and February, but they were still the end of the year. So for a long time, there October was the eighth month. But then in 153 BC, you don't need me to remind you, Sammy, that there was an uprising in the Hispanic areas. And it meant the consuls had to take office a little bit earlier than they normally would in March 25 just to deal with this little uprising that was going. They took office in January and it's not recorded officially anywhere, but people suggest that this, that that worked once and they went, okay, let's now make January the start of the official year. January became the first month, February the second month, October then got bumped back to the 10th month. Even more interesting, the year was still short of how long it should be, and it eventually got a long way out of whack. In 46 BC, Julius Caesar said, "Okay, that'll do us. We are going to line it up again. He created a couple of extra months as a one-off thing just to push the year back until it hit the right solar cycle. He just chucked in some months. 46 BC, get this, was 445 days long. It was it was called by some people at the time the year of eternity or the year of the eternal apocalypse or whatever because it just kept going and going and going. But then when that lined up again, he changed a few days to thirty-one days and all that, and you got to your three hundred and sixty-five day year. He was so proud of his efforts, he renamed July instead of Quintillus, so Quintillus becomes July after him, and unfortunately, our favorite month of the year, Sextilus, becomes August after Augustus. Caesar. We lost a lot of good months in that uprising. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> and that, are... la- that lasts all the way through to 1582, where they tweak the leap year slightly because they realised it was still a little bit out um, over, over longer, longer periods. So for, it was actually quite brilliant that Caesar, back that early, could get the year so close to the correct length. But yes, the great casualty was we lost Sextillus and we lost Quintillus, and October is still the 10th month.
1: Adam Spencer, uh, I'm going to head to the boiler room after the show here at the ABC Southbank building and just stare at a wall for three hours digesting the facts you have just given me. What an absolute delight. Thank you so much.
0: Before then drawing up your petition to get Sextember reinstated.
1: There we have it, folks. There is nothing worse in the world than a podcast that goes for three hours so I always promise to keep it tight keep it light keep it tasty and that is another snack pack in the can make sure you recycle the packet please or put it in your soft plastics and while you're there you might like to consider leaving me a review if you want to you could just do something like hey the Sammy J snack pack was better than expected I like that I think it's like an honest review too So, you know, I'll I'll take anything. It's just nice having your company, as well as the company of Ross Kavanagh, my sound wizard. Thank you for your work. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week ahead. Chat soon. What was was better than you expected, Marianne? Um,
2: It's kind of a
1: compliment. Your show, Sandy. My show? I'll take that. I'll take that as a compliment. How low were your expectations?